Hello, everyone. Welcome to Quantum Catechesis. I'm Father Joe Krupp, and you are not. And today, it's Friday, November something or other, the year of our Lord 2022. Now, it's not a live show. It's a dead show. We killed it, buried it in the backyard, and created some good alibis for ourselves. Uh, no, we're recording this on Thursday morning because Friday, Carrie's probation officer is requiring her to be in court. It's true. It's true. So we're sorry this one isn't live. I mean, again, it is live. I am currently living. I may be dead tomorrow. I don't know. And this is the first time you've been in front of a camera in two This years. is. Uh, blessed are you guys, freed from the tyranny of this face for a week. I have felt like crap. But uh, I have my doctor's permission to ease. Do you see that, Kara? you see that? Ease. Um, back in, which for a priest I think means 16 hours. And she gave me permission to beat you if you did. Did she? Oh, man. And Carrie would. Yeah. No, I just, I got a virus. And it, it was rough in the sense of I just couldn't sleep enough. Yeah. I really couldn't. My head was stuffy and all that. But that went away in a few days. Uh, oddly enough, uh, did I tell you this? Um, who was it who told me? It might have been totally unrelated to the virus. Yeah. Isn't that funny? But... Um, I was very generous. I gave it to my father because I'm a giver and I'm always thinking of the team. Uh, but dad's doing great as well. And I think I gave it to you. Well. Is that the current theory? Let, or, let's say you gave it to your dad. Your dad gave it to me. There we go. <laughs> so, uh, but this one is weird. Like even today, I finished the morning mass and all I wanted to do was sleep. Oh. And not, not in a miserable way, yeah. you know, but... Uh, I was so happy to pray Mass, though. And speaking of praying Mass, today's show is brought to you by Celtic Cove Catholic Bookstore. (laughs) A name that's tough to say, but a place that's great to shop. Uh, And a reminder that between Celtic Cove Catholic Bookstore and Michigan Church Supply, you can always get your Catholic stuff there and support local businesses and local people who are doing this out of love. Um, as opposed to Chuck, our business manager, who does it out of hate. Chuck just walked in. What's up, brother? So uh, I want to start off today with some sad news. Uh, Father uh, Bill Wager is a priest of the Diocese of Lansing. He went to be with the Lord last night slash this morning. If his name sounds familiar to you, he lived here with us for two years uh, with Father Peter, Father Lay, Dad, and I. I think that's everybody he lived with here, right? Poor man. Um, Father Bill was, uh, um, I don't even know how to describe him, probably one of the smartest dudes I met. Um, He was a great cook. Did I ever tell you that? Did you know that? Father Bill, um, a few times while he was here, made us all dinner. And it was funny because I always told him, it looked like when he was done, it looked like someone threw a hand grenade into the kitchen. I mean, it was uh, shocking that such chaos produced ridiculously delicious meal. Um, And one of the things he loved to do was make us lamb for Easter Vigil. Wow. Right? Yeah. And uh, he made that for Lay and Dad. And I I don't think he made it for Peter, because when he lived here with Peter, that window was short, uh, I think. But uh, Father Bill 
had an alphabet soup this long behind his name, multiple degrees. Uh, he studied in Europe, um, and he was a bit of an expert on the Eastern Church. Uh, in fact, I don't know if you remember, years ago, he was like three years ago, he was supposed to be on the show to talk about the Orthodox Church, but uh, he wasn't able to. Um, so... Uh, Father Bill was a generous-hearted soul, um, a very tortured soul, um, and uh, just a, a, a good dude. And so I'm going to ask that everyone today uh, pray a Hail Mary for the soul of Father Bill Wager. Always remember, when you hear about my tribe dying, um, judgment's hard on priests. I don't know if I've shared that with you. Uh, many of the saints have spoken of this, that for priests, the obligation um, is... Um, intense, I guess, for lack of a better phrase. And I think it was St. Gregory who said he uh, saw a vision of the roads in hell that were paved with the skulls of priests and bishops. So uh, whenever I hear of a priest dying, I always pray for the show. Uh, and I hope people pray for mine when I'm gone. In fact, if it's Friday and you're watching this and you're like, Joe doesn't even know that tomorrow he'll be dead. Uh... If you pray a Hail Mary, I will award you four Jesus points from purgatory. Nice. And why four? I don't know if I'll be... I, I, my goal, of course, is heaven. I'll take purg. <laughs> if it's hell, oops. <laughs> Sorry about that. And I don't know. Well, I have, like, will Jesus be like, okay, in purg, you can hand out Jesus points. And they'll have just as much value as when you were alive. <laughs> Yeah. So pray, yeah. say a prayer for beautiful Father Bill, for his family, for his two parishes. He uh, covered uh, St. Mary in Durand and St. Joe's in Gaines. And also pray that God sends us more priests on a crudely practical note. I was just telling Carrie, I'm like, Carrie, we're in trouble. Uh, and I know that sounds funny. Forgive, again, the candor. We, quote, only lost one priest. But man, you guys, it's marbles on a trampoline, right? You throw one, you pull one out, and the whole thing shifts around. And we're just out of priests. We are. Uh, I'm wondering if I get the call. Did I tell you this? No. I think they're, I would assume they'll ask us to cover gains. Oh, wow. It's only, what, 15, 20 minutes away? Yeah. Oh. I don't know. But either way, for the good people in Gaines and Duran, we love you. We're praying. We love Father Bill. And uh, Jesus, get him home safe. Uh, today, the church, and today is Thursday. Even though it's Friday for you, I am capable of time travel. Please don't tell anyone. Um, and by the way, I predicted the Phillies. Did I tell you this? I predicted the Phillies and the Astros in the World Series. The, the last day of the playoffs was done, and I said, well, that's the Phillies and the Astros. Nice. No, I'm being funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, the teams were set, and I predicted it. Um, I just predicted it after it was set, but I still feel like that counts as a prediction if I say, I predict. So like, I you predict willing, you're going to watch the show on Friday. Are you willing to make a real prediction? Who's going to win? Okay, last night Houston winning was huge because they won on pitching, not their sticks. And no hitter. Uh, huh? I no know. Hitter. A four or five pitcher no hitter? I believe it was four? Yeah. I'm rooting for Philly just because they're the underdog. I like Houston. I don't hate Houston. I love Justin Verlander. How can you not? 
I mean, we're tigers here, for gosh sakes. But I got to root for Philly. I love the underdog. And they, I just love, oh, and I love Castellanos. He's one of my favorite players. Uh, and he's the right fielder for them. He was a right fielder for us. And uh, I love Bryce Harper. I know he's a hothead. I do. It's hilarious. The other day, Dad was like, boy, I really like him. I said, oh, Pa, I love him. I said, he's a hothead. And now Dad's only exposure to Bryce Harper was the World Series. He goes, oh, no, he seems like a sweetie. And he does. He's a hugger. He's a... And so I went on YouTube, and I just said, Bryce Harper. And the first thing that came up were like 82 of his meltdowns. You know, it was hilarious. He kind of reminds me of Kurt Gibson. He really yeah. does. Just big-hearted, yeah. all piss and vinegar, you know, battery acid in the veins. I, I love guys like that. I am I used to be like that, but my trouble was always I couldn't turn it off. They can turn it off, and that blows me away, right? You remember, like, Kurt Gibson would bleed out there when nothing was happening, Right. But then you'd see him after the game hugging kids and and I couldn't if I flip that switch, I couldn't turn it off. They can turn it off, you know. But anyway, sorry, I'm just talking about nothing now. So my prediction, sorry, I'm going to predict the Phillies, but that is a prediction of optimism. Right. And it's based on a couple things. Phillies got three strong starting pitchers and. Who pitched last night? It wasn't Nola. Please tell me it wasn't Nola. For the Astros? For us. It wasn't Nola, was it? Because who, do you know, can you look, who was the starting pitcher for the Phillies last night? Oh, See this motion? This is, like, yeah, because Dad and I watched it. Um, See yeah. this? This means starting pitcher right. right here. See that, Chuck? It's right. sign language. Um, right. So Chuck's looking. If Austin Nola was the starting pitcher, and I don't remember him being so, then the Phillies are in serious trouble because I counted him as a win. Was it? Okay, they're in trouble. Now, Syndergaard should be pitching at some point soon, and this is a feeling. Okay, now today is Thursday. You're watching this Friday. Hear me out. If Syndergaard pitches, I believe it will be his best game of the year. And I know that's crazy. He's been so up and down this year. But Syndergaard's a freak. And if he can find that stride, you know, a six foot six, 250 pound guy throwing nastiness at you, that's a tough thing to get through. So, anyway, what do I predict? My hope prediction is the Phillies in seven. I, and I'm gonna stay with that. I believe they can beat them. JT Real Muto, right, is the best hitting catcher, catcher in baseball right now. Bryce Harper is the best hitter in baseball right now. And those two alone can manufacture a lot of runs. Plus, they got Casty, And if he gets hot, say goodbye. Okay. Today is, uh, when I say today, I mean Thursday. Even though you're listening to this on Friday, on Thursday, the church celebrated St. Martin de Porras. And I want to talk about him for a minute. Is that all right? Because yep. uh, we don't have a ton of questions. So I figure I can waste a little time today. St. <clears throat> Martin de Porres um, is a good guy for us to talk about for a couple reasons. We're going to talk about racism, okay? Uh, and and w- the reason I bring this up is anytime I've posted about racism, there's a segment of the population that tells me I'm being woke, right? And I always think if you're my age or older and you're using words like woke or snowflake, um, stop, 
Yeah, those words. Uh, well, anyway, I f- you always got to remember if my age group is using those words, those words have passed. They're dead now. <laughs> yeah, right. that's that's how it goes. By the time that filters up the or the food chain to us old people, uh, it's so it's just become a cliche. Um, it is actually possible and appropriate to talk about racism in our country. Um, without it devol- devolving, devolving, devolving into politics. What do I mean? I mean that you have people on the left who are hucksters, who are going to use the issue of racism to make money and say stupid things. And you have people on the right who are going to say racism isn't real or that it's not a problem. As always... The church, well, St. Thomas Aquinas said, moral virtue is always the appropriate distance between two extremes. Yeah? And for me, what I recognize is racism is an issue. What about systematic racism? I don't know. I, I can't separate. I've not been able to in my head because I don't fall into it. Uh, the idea of, frankly, reality. What? You know, if I go to China and I live there, and it's harder for me to get a loan, well, that's because I don't look like everyone else. And it might not be evil. It just might... Being a minority means you're a minority. And there are side effects to it that are evil, and there are sides to it that are unintentionally evil. Um, I don't find phrases like white privilege or systematic racism helpful, Uh, But that's just me, and it could be I need to change and grow on these topics. Here's what I do know. Racism is a sin, (laughs) and St. Martin de Porras is a great example of a victim of racism who triumphed. Yeah? So he was born in Peru, and his mom was a slave, and his dad was a Spaniard, which meant in that culture... A legally codified system meant he was less than. It wasn't, well, he was treated badly. No, the law said if you were a mixed-race person like he was, that you were less than. And his desire to learn, he had a fascinating, beautiful brain, and his desire to serve was thwarted often by the fact that nobody wanted him. They didn't want him in their schools. They didn't want him uh, in their church. There were religious orders that turned him down for no other reason than he was half black. Um, So he had a rough go. And when he finally, uh, what he ended up doing was studying uh, uh, to be a barber. Now, to be a barber back then had something to do with hair, but not as much as you would think. It was mostly about surgery. Barbers were surgeons. Um, that's where you get that. Do you know this about the red and white pole? Right, where that came. Do you know about this, Karen? No. Oh, so what that was, uh, and the reason it's in front of barber shops is because of what barbers used to be, right? The red was for the blood, uh, the red and white stripe. And now in the U.S. it's red, white, and blue, but everywhere else it's red and white. Uh, the red was for the blood. So on the top, it was a vessel they had. On the top was a bowl filled with leeches. Right, because they used leeches, which actually wasn't a bad thing to do, they're learning. And on the bottom was the goo. Yeah. Wow. And you would, the pole was there for the patient to grip while they were doing their work, because it's not like they had something to. Yeah, locals. Yeah. Did you know this? 
No. So it was a pool, so you could grab it while they were yanking teeth wow. out of your body. I did, though. Right? And the leeches were on top, and the fluid was on the bottom, and you had the red and white. So that pole was a symbol they used for barbers. Uh, so anyway, side note, he was that. He was medically skilled for that day and age, and he was quite sharp. Uh, finally, a religious order did take him in, uh, but he was pretty much treated like crap. He was allowed to do, quote, menial tasks. Can't have a, a black man doing important things. Isn't this wild? Yeah. So what was his response? Um, he served. He served with his whole heart. He served relentlessly. He healed. He uh, prayed. He was an outstanding man. And as happened back then, now you remember my whole thing about why viruses killed South America, North America, Central America. Well, when it hit Peru and it began wiping people out, they passed laws and it was the best they could do. Like, so if you had the virus, which they usually called flux or plague, they really didn't know, you know, you were to be locked in your room and no one was allowed to come in. They could slide food under your door. Well, Martin broke the law and went in and comforted and tried to heal these people. And especially his brother priests and monks who were so crappy to him. Uh, isn't that wild? Yeah. He has numerous miracles attributed to him in his lifetime, which really doesn't count toward being a saint, right? Isn't that funny? You could cure 32 people when you're alive through God's grace. That doesn't really go for anything on your sainthood, right? It's post-mortem. I guess the church wants to ask, what have you done for me lately? To quote St. Janet Jackson. <laughs> that was her, right? What have you done for me lately? Wasn't that her? Yeah. Janet Jackson is underrated. Can we talk about that? I mean, I know she's weird, but so was her brother, and he was probably the greatest musician of the modern era. Right. Oh. Well, anyway, him and Prince, right, two just weird cats who God made to make music. But what were we talking about? What have you done for me? Oh, Martin DeBoard. So uh, during his lifetime, people were healed at his prayer. And uh, he was actually reported to have walked through locked doors to care for his uh, brothers and other sick people. Beautiful dude. Died of exhaustion. Uh, pouring himself out, serving people who hated him. Uh, he is the patron saint of mixed race persons. He's the patron saint of barbers. Um, and I'm not sure... If it's barbers like they said it or barbers like we do, right? I know my barber has nothing to say. <laughs> Does Alicia count as my barber because she beards my braid? No, she's more of your... Uh... We'll be back after a quick break. Are you looking for peace and joy? Do you want to refresh your life and raise your well-being? You need Create Harmony. At Create Harmony, we focus on everyday joys and we savor life's blessings. Our episodes are filled with creativity and fun, and we believe in setting an intentional rhythm. Listen in to Create Harmony to learn how to use your imagination as a way of listening to God and remind yourself how to notice goodness all around you. Thank you. 
All right, Alicia, you need to create a title. She needs to create a title yeah. for herself. We will double what we're currently paying you. <laughs> I mean, right now, the title is like, sis. Yeah. It's like, hey, sis, can you, you know, yeah, sure. No, I'm busy. Loser. <laughs> I'm just kidding. She never says busy. So that's kind of our warm-up. And I know you're like, well, are you going to get to questions? Yeah, but we only got a few. I mean, we got some, you know. But um, the first one, ugh, you're going to have to help me behave, Carrie. Okay. I'm going to look at you, and if you're like, Ixnay on the reposal A, then I'll stop. Is that right? Ixnay on the reposal A. Okay. The P is silent. Um, okay, so someone asks, how do I respond to people saying that the Catholic Church talking about Proposal 3 means they should lose their tax-exempt status? It means the person talking has no idea what they're talking about. The reason the church doesn't pay taxes on its collection, pays it on everything else, is because we are a 5, I might say it's right, 501c3. That's a tax classification for a nonprofit. Now, do you know who else is classified that way? Your friendly multi-billion dollar Planned Parenthood. Yeah. Planned Parenthood has the same tax designation. Are you running over there? Because they aren't spending, what did we spend, $10,000 yeah. making holy cards? Yeah. They spent, before this got to you, $15 million designing an ad campaign. So if that's our rule... 501c3s can't have opinions on politics, then you best call Planned Parenthood, because last I looked, they're up to 25 million on the state of Michigan. Did you know that? Yes. They're a 501c3. Right. Your tax dollars. Ugh. And they received $750 million from the federal government last year. Ask how much the Catholic Church received. Goose egg. And rightly so. We don't want their money. It's our money anyway. But we don't want it back. Because if the government gives you money, they own you. Oh, this is frustrating. So, if someone says, well, churches shouldn't or schlur, 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 the A, they don't say that when we're feeding the poor. Right? And I don't know if it's because they'd have to put down their Cheetos and get off the couch. Uh, was that harsh? <laughs> You know what you never see? Can I say this? When you look over at who's helping us feed the poor, you never see Democrat or Republican bumper stickers. Did you notice that? You see them in our church. Yeah. But when you look over at who's helping the poor, who's actually volunteering and working, they don't have Biden or Trump stickers. Right. Doesn't that tell you something? Right. Mm -hmm. So if someone says that, they're ill-informed, and they probably want to be. Right? They like being ill-informed. Uh, but just remind them that the reason churches don't pay taxes is because we don't make money. The reason we don't make money is because we are classified as a 501c3. And any 501c3 does not pay taxes on their income. Why? Because the income, if we have any, like at Sacred Heart, did I tell you this? It was $7. We made $7. We were $7 over my last year. You want to tax seven bucks? Oh, okay. Uh, but that's not the point. It's not the efficacy of it. It's the justice of it. We don't make money to buy things. We employ 
How many people do we employ here, Chuck? It's got to be 40 some, 50 some. Yeah, 55. 55 people who pay taxes. I pay taxes. And uh, we have the exact same tax designation that Planned Parenthood does. And we haven't spent 25 million. We've literally spent a little less than 10 grand. And I mean the diocese, not St. Holy Family, not Holy Family and St. Mark, the diocese of Lansing. The rest of the hundreds of thousands of dollars that the Catholic Church and the diocese of Lansing has spent since this campaign started has been on, I don't know, the poor. Where did this come from? People weren't saying these stupid things four years ago. Seriously. A guy yesterday, I was on Katie's Facebook page, and she said something, so I clarified it. And then he went, you don't pay taxes? You can't talk on this. I'm like, A, I pay taxes, right? I pay a lot of tax. Well, proportionally. B, what was it, 76% of Americans don't pay taxes or 67? Do you remember? Don't pay any taxes. Does that mean they can't talk? So wait. It's a dumb thing to say. You yes. Responded. Hmm. You responded. I responded. To quote. I pay taxes. And did he? Respond oh, of course that? not. Oh. Because he has a cliche. Yeah. That's what these Republicans and Democrats have cliches. Yeah. That's it. Ugh. And nothing changes, right? Did you see that thing? I so wanted to put it on my Facebook page. You remember how at the end of every Scooby Doo episode, they took the mask off yeah. the dude. Right? Yes. Did you see the one where they take it off and it says two-party system? No. When they take the mask off, it's like, here's the root of all our problems. They take the mask off. Two-party system. (laughs) And you know how they keep their power. And I know a ton of you are going to write in and say, well, if you don't, what do they do? Republicans tell you Democrats are evil. If they have power, they will kill you. Democrats say Republicans are evil. If they have power, they will kill you. How many times have you heard, this is the most important election? And nothing changes except we get more poor people. Right. Right? There's never been this many poor people in our country. And why? Because they terrify you. If you don't vote for this Republican, then we'll have all Democrats and they will kill your family. And vice versa. And and none of us. See, this is why I didn't want to talk about it. So according to CNBC, 57% of U.S. households pay no, paid no federal income tax last year. 57% of American households paid no income tax last year. And if you look at the percentage of Americans, How right, not just households. How is that possible? Well, because they lie to you, right? But Remember? I anybody who doesn't pay taxes. But not only that, but do you remember um, who was it? That politician who who wore a $10,000 dress that said tax the rich or eat the rich or whatever it said. Okay. Well, here's the funny part. What do you call rich? Okay. Now, most people classify wealth and, and current as between 150 to 250,000 a year or higher, right? Have you read what percentage of our taxes that group covers, the whole taxes for the country? About 80%, 80%. Think about that. Elon Musk paid 14 billion in taxes last year to the US federal government, 14 billion. Billion, you know, well, he's rich. 
14 billion's a lot of money. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, and they spend it in an hour, literally. Right? And they didn't spend it on helping you. They spend it on their staff, right? Flitting about them, making sure they don't have to make their own coffee. They spent it on the Secret Service agents stretched to infinity trying to cover all these self-important people. They spent it on their little uh, Chevy Suburbans with full armor, right? Think of how expensive that is. Think of how many they have because they can't drive their own dang car. And why can't they drive their own car? Well, because they're very important. Think about this. This is where your tax dollars go, guys. And, by the way, helping us invade third world countries every few years just because we got bored. Oh, you guys, I shouldn't talk about this. Do you see how frustrated I get? This is me making this sound with my thumbs. All right, let's talk about happier things. Funerals. I read what you wrote in the bulletin about funeral planning. Well, thank you. Can you give me a list of what I should do to make sure I have a funeral mass and that things go well for my family after I die? Well, nicely done. Yeah. This one was emailed to me. Um, Yes, I can. First of all, um, you do want to talk to a lawyer. You might think, well, I'm not rich. I don't want, I'm not rich, but they can. I still haven't done it. I'm such a hypocrite. Uh, If you don't have a will, I think I'm going to say this right. Look at me and tell me if I'm wrong. At least in the state of Michigan, then automatically your stuff and all of it gets put into the hands of the government to sort out. Yeah, which, um, don't do that. Yeah, But one of the things you might want to do is even have a letter ready. I have one. I do. If I die, my buddy Jeff has my gun safe combination, and in it is a letter saying, please do these things. And mostly what they involve is burying me in a Cadillac. Wouldn't that be hilarious? (laughs) Seriously, if you're like, that would be the so not Joe thing. But it was like, I was firm about it. Buy a brand new Cadillac. Of course, wait, I would need money for that. We could take up a collection. And that way... When you're lowering that beautiful Cadillac into there, and I'm in the driver's seat, right, my left hand on the wheel, right, one of you can say, man, that's living. Okay. (laughs) You might want to have a letter ready. Certainly talk to your priest, right, that when I die, I would like a funeral mass. I can't tell what percentage of this is ignorance, what percentage is contempt, what percentage is arrogance. But we run into this. Oh, no, let's not do a funeral mass. Uh, What? And I don't know if this is because we've all moved to this celebration of life thing. No, it isn't. (laughs) Sorry. If we're celebrating a life, it's the life of Jesus who rose from the dead and made heaven possible for us. What we do at a funeral mass is we pray for our dead. Uh, We should be celebrating their life all the time. And we can celebrate their life after the funeral. But in the funeral, we are praying for the dead because that's important for us to do. Um, And you may want to make sure and talk to your priest and have a letter, right, to your family. I want a funeral mass. Now, rest assured that if we hear about this, and we did this at my last parishes, and we do it here, if we hear about a Catholic dying, and there's no funeral mass, we do one. We do a memorial mass. 
Um, that's really important. I do strongly suggest you have a clear delineation of what to do with your financial resources. Um, I remain tragically, deeply sad at how much families tear each other apart over mom and dad's money. I'm just going to say it. Um, and it just rips me to pieces. Uh, we worship money. So, of course, we'll sacrifice family for it. And you also have this neuroses, and everyone has it, I do too, that when we encounter death, we seek to control. It's just something we can't help. It's how our little brains work, and I totally get it. And our emotions are pretty raw. So you want to avoid making life-altering decisions right after death. You know, the death of a loved one, you want to, yeah. Um, so if you're here at Holy Family, you can call today and ask to sit with Nancy, right? Nancy uh, is amazing, and she can help you actually plan your funeral. Pick your readings. Pick your songs. I'm going to pick all the songs I hate, <laughs> right? Because here's the thing. I'll be dead, so I don't have to suffer through those songs. Like, the one I hate the most is, I forget what it's called. do 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 Will you something, something me if I but call your name? Will you love Oh, Jesus, take the wheel. I hate that song so desperately. Um, and I'm going to have it for the closing song and the opening song. And theoretically, I'm in heaven or perg. And I'm going, yeah, I don't have to hear that. Of course, that might be perg. The Lord saying, oh, Joe, I saw the songs you picked. Have a seat and listen. I might pre-plan my funeral and have that song just because. Yeah, then I won't do it. <laughs> I'll be like, everyone. <laughs> Oops. And plus, you're not allowed to die, Carrie. I mean, you can die after I do, you and Chuck. I've thought about this, but if either of you jerks die before me, I'll never speak to you again. <laughs> do you know I'd probably retire? If, like, one of you died, I'd be like, I'm done. I don't know what to do now. Yeah, there'd be a couple more people that would come along. Yes. Never worked with anybody as good as you two. Um, except for myself. <laughs> <laughs> and all those former employees that are tweeted today. Oh, no. You know, here's what you guys have given me. And I think most of it, and I mean this, is that I wasn't wise enough to cooperate until I got here. I was very burned down when I got here. And I think this is the first place where I'm convinced I need to cooperate with the process of limiting myself. Because people will say, and I love you guys, this, you know, but people will say, Father, you need to slow down until they need something. Right. And and I, I think I told you this, that literally one time I got this woman who chewed me a new butt. This was like 04 or 05 about you're pushing too hard. You've got to sleep. You've got to eat better. You've got to blah, blah, blah. you got to learn to say no. I swear this happened. Uh, and it was this whole you have to learn to say no. And again, the key issue is I was good at saying no. People weren't good at receiving no. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, and you've countered this here. When people don't hear an answer from you they want, they'll 
run to me or run to Chuck and not tell us they talk to you and all these different machinations, right? People just want what they want. And the next day, I could tell you this woman's name and I won't. She came to me and was like, I need you to blah, blah, blah. And I said, and I did this, I went, I smirked, I went, no. And she went, you don't say no to me. And she was serious. I was like, oh, I understand. But, you know, so now, like you look in it, and again, I'm, this is fresh in my head. I'm thinking about the fact that we lost Father Bill. And I'm thinking about how heartbreaking that is, but I'm also already thinking practically. And, and for me, this is how I see it. Everybody wants me to be a counselor. I'm terrible. You do not want, you think you want me to be your counselor. <laughs> I will support every neuroses you have. <laughs> Me like, Father, I'm drunk all day. I'm so sorry. Why are people like that to you? <laughs> I'm always on your side, and that is not a good skill in a counselor. That is awesome. Oh, and don't come to me for marriage stuff. Somebody like, oh, y'all should divorce. Okay. Yuck. Not to interrupt, but in that, when did you come to that realization? Because I have to believe as a younger person, all of us would think, oh, I can do this. Oh, I got this. Yeah. <laughs> Spiritual direction, I'm the worst, right? <laughs> Counseling, I'm the worst. I'm a good hugger. Did you always know it, though, or did you have that? Oh, no, I figured it out trying to coach football. <laughs> Yeah, Uh, we had a running back. This is a true story. This was at Lansing Catholic, and we were awful. We were never any good, right, (laughs) while I was there. And then we started recruiting or something. (laughs) You ever notice that? Whenever a Catholic school wins, oh, they're recruiting. Were we not recruiting when we sucked and we started recruiting? (laughs) I always love that. Catholic schools have all the money. Have you seen your schools? Have you seen ours? Anyway. was coaching there was a boy and again not to be funny i could tell you his name and i won't he was a running back and for those of you not watching i'm making quotation marks around there and he was the king of if you know football you know there's running north and south and there's running east and west if you're running east and west we hate you (laughs) right if you're running east and west you are gaining nothing it means you're running to the right or the left we need you to go forward yeah because forward is where points are (laughs) and so there's always on every team that running back who can great at running east and west and you need them to go forward and so I was a fullbacks coach because that's the position I know. And again, this is an honorary title. I mean, I was at practice and trying, but I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I was never a smart football guy, right? I was the blunt force trauma guy. So there we were, and every day, Chris, you got to run forward, bro, right? You're going to get hit. It's like a fight. And I always tell boys this. If you get in a fight, don't try to not get hit. You're going to get hit. Right? The key is you need to hit harder. Right? Like you've seen those where you see those and they're they're fighting and they're going, no, 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 bro. You just gotta go forward. And it's the same in football. You're going to get hit. But make it on your terms. Yeah? That's the key, isn't it? Right? Every running back in the world knows pump your legs, never stop pumping your legs till you hit the ground. And go forward. Get hit. Yeah? Um, I couldn't get him to do it. And I tried all variations on this. I know you're trying hard. 
That was my coaching. Right there, we're done. And you're like, how did you guys go 0-9? Oh, right there. Because the other coach was like, Chris, go forward. Blankety blank, go forward. It doesn't matter what, but I'm like, oh, go easy on the kid. He's a good boy. It was about our fourth game. Where, like, I took him for a walk and gave him the run forward. I took him for a walk and gave him the, they're going to get hit. Getting hit actually can be really fun, right? I, it really, I, I know, that, well, maybe that's not good to say. <laughs> Getting hit is a riot. Uh, I don't know, your whole body, right? I remember getting hit so hard that my whole body tingled. Right? I'm serious. I was like, Argh! it was awesome. Was that? Because I popped fun? up. That was the fun part? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I popped up, right? And, you know, walked back to the little of course, I can't breathe. <laughs> but I wasn't going to let him see it. And it scared the guy. You could tell. It's all the. Oh, anyway, we're talking about all this stuff. <laughs> so, weeks of like, Hey, you know, Chris, I, I love you, buddy. I'm so proud of you. We need you to go forward, man. You know, so finally the other coach pulled him and put in a less talented, less strong, less fast guy who did something crazy. He ran forward. Now, other guys crying, and of course his dad's yelling at me because he's a starter. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, we should start him. I'm a terrible coach. <laughs> Ergo, I'm a terrible counselor. Oh. <laughs> and I always told people we had a perfect record while I was coach. We went 0 and 9. We did. We were perfect. We didn't have one win to blemish our record. Perfectly awful. <laughs> there was one game, and it was the, and I'm dead certain. Well, anyway, Papa. Why are we talking about this? Does anyone remember? About the oh, you guys have helped me be a priest. What can I do that, okay, what can Leah and I do? And I've actually looked at a map. You ready for this? That no one else in a 20-mile circle can do. We can hear confessions. We can pray mass. We can pray funerals. We can anoint the sick. We can be with the dying. And if we only do those five things every day, all day, that's a full-time job. That's 40 hours a week right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, and I hate how much abuse you guys take, right? And how much bad talk uh, at the church because you're trying to help me be a priest. I hate that. But I'm grateful for it. I am. Yeah. Howdy, it's your favorite nephew, Ben. Ben, I love you! Um... Hey, did you fix those bumper stickers? <laughs> Do you know this story? No. Okay, so I love Ben. Did you hear me? Okay, love. And Ben has my dad's heart. Just this tender heart and also very strong. Like he's physically strong, he's emotionally strong. And uh, he bought this beat to heck old truck and he's just been rebuilding it part by part. Well, it had some bumper stickers on it when he bought them. And Chuck, this is Montrose. So you can imagine those bumper stickers. Like, so he came out to the Alzheimer's walk. And I'm laughing at these because I'm 12. Yeah, it's a fart joke, you know. And his mom noticed them. My sister Kelly, who is the best mom ever. And I don't mean to like, like she went and stayed with my sister Lori for two weeks when Lori lived in Portland. And Lori was like, Kelly is the best mom I've ever seen. Like, Kelly's just 
Kelly was made to be a mom. And Kelly was not happy with Ben. And I, of course, fled like it was a crime scene. I'm like, I'm not staying for the carnage. I love you, but I'm out. Yeah. Love that, Kim. Okay. So, oh, and ladies, he's single. Young ladies. And he's a mechanic. Young lady. Yeah, young lady. Well, if you're an elderly lady and very rich. Okay. You might want to check with Ben on that. You know, I'm at peace. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. I'm so... I've not been doing this for a week, and it's all coming out. What day is this? Is this Wednesday? No. This is Thursday. This is Thursday. Yep. Okay. Oh, we're doing the real show, the live show, Let's and do. as soon as I finish yapping. Yep. Okay. So, uh, my nephew Ben, what is the church's position on lethal self-defense? Is physical harm enough to justify it in God's eyes, or is it more complicated than that? Uh, you know, a good way to think of that is the church says you are never required to be morally heroic. Isn't that interesting? Um, I think I'm going to say this right. Defending things in a non-essential time is not a cause for lethal self-defense. Defending persons at any time can be a cause for lethal self-defense. Are you required to do lethal self-defense? No. Why? That's moral heroism, because it'll mess you up. Does this make sense? Or no? Yep. Okay. So right now, things are fine-ish. And if someone wants to steal my TV, I'm not going to kill them to keep them from keeping it, from taking it, right? I'll just go to Carrie's purse, get her credit card, and buy another one. Easy peasy. <laughs> now, what if society collapses and we've got our building for the poor packed full of canned goods that we will then use to help the poor? What if someone wants to raid it? Yeah, there's going to be some lethal self-defense justifiable. Will I do it? No, I'll never kill another person. Right? I just won't do it. I don't think. But I know I'm just not built that way. I know God built some people to be that sort who says, Father, we're going to protect this food supply for our poor. And I would honor them for that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So I think, Ben, like if you're protecting mom, or I shouldn't specifically speak to Ben, this is for anybody, right? If you're protecting a person and it's clear that only death will protect that person, then yeah, that is morally permissible. It's not morally required because it's going to mess you up. Right? I have been, ah, I'm going to cry. I have been with people immediately after they killed someone in ridiculously justifiable self-defense and it messes them up. It, me it messes, if you've ever, and now forgive the, I don't know a better analogy, okay? So I had a dog, uh, and I had her for 10, 11 years, and she lost her mind. I didn't know dogs could do this. She could not distinguish who people were. One that she was blind, her mind just went. So Dr. Uh, LeBlanc uh, at MSU, beautiful, beautiful, holy man, and his wonderful wife, Sally, I got to teach her girls. I did. Oh, but he came over and put the little port in Bailey and then I cooked her a steak and I gave her a box of ice cream. She ate the whole thing. And it was so funny watching her. She had never had ice cream before. And I could just see her looking at me like, where has this been? <laughs> and so Doc said, are you ready? Yep. And I knew her kidneys were going down and her, her, her brain wasn't right. And even then the moment 
she fell dead from the injection, I felt horror. What have you done, Joe? Right? Um, your soul knows when death happens. And even when it's justifiable, it messes you up. Um, that's why you aren't required to, to take a life to preserve a life. Does this make, how are we doing? I can't tell. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're in a situation where you need to take a life to save a life, absolutely, that's morally permissible. Uh, is it required? No. Um, I think to use a cliche, and I actually mean this, I can think of things I would die for. I can't think of much I'd kill for. Mm. And again, that's me, the same guy who can't be a counselor. So is there ever a time when we kind of are required to? Like, what if you're protecting your children? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Again, you're not required to because of that idea that it's going to mess you up. But I think most people would because it's right. Well, wouldn't it mess you up more to not have done it? Oh, I'm assuming the other fruit is you dead. <clears throat> Dying to save your family as opposed to killing to save your family. Right? Uh, I know, and I, I've seen... <laughs> We had a couple situations where dad grabbed the shotgun and saved our family. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful he was that guy. I think back then I could have been that guy. I had a lot of anger. <laughs> dad didn't do it out of anger. Dad did it out of love. You know, um, there are people I believe God made who are capable of great violence in pursuit of virtue or to preserve virtue. You know, um, Zweihander. No, that's not. I'm trying to remember. There was a word the Germans had for um, no. Zweihander is the two-handed sword they used, right? Uh, it'll it, it'll come to me like at 2 a.m. <laughs> and they were the people that were in the front for the fighting, and that every once in a while they just snap. And you know what they would do? This is so sweet and so terrible. They would build them a little house far enough away and close enough and just feed them every day until they felt right again. And it was a way to honor them because they sacrificed their mind for the tribe. You get me? Wow. Yeah. It was a recognition that God made you good at this. Sorry. So all we can do is take care of you because this is torturing your mind. Like, I just did a thing on, uh, what's his name? Um, and of course I forgot. But he was the guy who led the Hussite rebellions, Hussites, however you want to say it. Um, and forgive, again, I don't know a better way to say it. God made that man to fight. Uh, he was arguably the most, Zizek, uh, Zesek. Ah, why do I keep forgetting his name? He's dead. He hated killing. It tortured him, um, and he would plant flowers beneath corpses of people he killed. Wow. He carried a wow. bag of seeds, and when he personally killed someone, he would put he would bury the seeds under the, where their body laid because he just felt awful. But he was probably the greatest one of the greatest tacticians Europe ever produced. Jan, I can't believe I'm freezing up on his name. Zisak. Jan Zizek. I can't remember it, but, you know, that just tortured him. 
but he was good at it. He was great at it. I believe he has the distinction of being the only general to never have lost a battle. And he was a rebel. He didn't have the big army. He had the little army of farmers and peasants, you know. And that cat went toe-to-toe with the most elite fighting forces in Europe and won. But he hated it. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. If you look it up, the one-eyed general or the blind general, Chuck. Mm-hmm. I always forget how to. His first name is Jan. Mm-hmm. Um, John, right, German. Um, and he was one-eyed. He lost an eye in a fight <clears throat> as a early, younger man, and then he lost his other eye to sickness. Uh, the last few battles he won, he was stone blind. Isn't that crazy? But so, I don't know if you're finding this helpful. It is proper and right to kill in defense of life. Yeah? But not everyone's called to it. Jan Ziska. Ziska. There we go. Um, Man, that dude was a beast. But again, it just horrified him to kill people. He was just great at it. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. I hope you found that helpful. If not, let us know. I feel like I'm Gabby today, uh, which, uh, oh, how are we for time, by the way? We have about eight minutes. Okay, so I'm going to try, I've got, what happens to the soul of a person who dies as an atheist? We have no idea, right? Um, We should always pray for people's souls. Even the folks we think, like, that dude's a saint. It doesn't hurt to pray for them. But if they're not a saint... It'll help. Yeah. And they are a saint, but I mean canonized saint, right? If you're in purgatory, you're a saint. You made it, right? People in purgatory only go to heaven. Uh, But basically, you got to remember the church has never in her 2000 years speculated on what specific people are in hell because we don't know what we don't know. And if you look at like today's gospel at church was about the parable of the sheep. And I know I just talked about this, but bear with me. Okay. Where Jesus says, which one of you having a hundred sheep and losing one wouldn't leave the 99 in the desert and go searching for the one. And when he finds it, call all his friends and family together and say, rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. So that's the story Jesus says. And then he says, and I tell you, get this in just the same way. There is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 who don't need to. Think about that just the same way. Now, Jesus' point was not about shepherding. What he described was bad shepherding. You don't leave 99 sheep to go get one. Uh, That sheep is utterly replaceable. And if you leave those 99, the sheep have no defenses, right? None. They're dumb as rocks. And they don't have sharp teeth. They don't have fighting ability. They don't even always get that they should run. If you've worked with sheep, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like the guy next to them is getting ripped apart by a wolf. And they're like, so you're not going to eat that grass? You know, they just, I don't know. Uh, God, I don't know how God made them versus how we bred them. Um, Jesus's point is not how to shepherd. It's that his love is insane by our standards. And so we don't know what happens to the souls. We pray that Jesus gets them home. Um, And it says in our catechism, I think I'm saying this right, that we should, quote, never despair for the souls. Oh, no. Nope. I'm saying the wrong thing. Sorry. That's about suicide. The church says we should never despair 
about the soul of those who have taken their own lives. We don't know what we don't know. Yeah. Okay. Father Joe, may I ask why you were growing the beard again? I think I just want to see how long I can get it. And I fear I'm done. That's what I fear. Does it appear to be growing? It, it appears to me it stopped like two months ago, but I don't know. Well, I, when I go back on old videos, I, yes, it has grown. It has? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe someday I'll trim it. I, I can't, I'm not going to ever shave it again. I look like I was on chemo. Is that okay to say? You know. Except for being fat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm not kidding. Like, I looked and I thought, I look unhealthy. Okay, I think you look, when you don't have a beard, I think you look a lot younger. Yeah. Not that you look old. It's no, just, I do. I it's look striking. old. striking. No, it's just striking when you don't have it. I go, oh, whoa, that's yeah. young. But um, I don't know. There's, It's a character. It gives yeah, a character. it's me. I, it and I could dye it. Except oh, it gosh, makes no, my oh, skin. No, no, huh? no, 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 no. No, well, that's what I mean. But I tried dyeing it when I was younger because when I was younger, it was weird. I always have one white strip here. Love that. Always. <laughs> right? And it almost looked like I dyed it. And it was, it was so strange, and people would assume I dyed it. Now, here's irony. This is, this is, this is the, inside the mind of your loser priest, okay? <laughs> people would be like, I love how you dye your beard. And I was like, I'm not that vain in my head, and I don't want them to think I'm so vain that I'm dyeing my beard. So what did I do? I, I dyed the white, <laughs> right? That was my solution. And then, I don't know, but the problem is it made my face break out sure. like horribly, like it would blow up. My lips would look like I got Botox, uh, right? Do people, right? <laughs> is Botox the thing they she inject in their that. lips? Um, oh, you look creepy. <laughs> it, it did not look, and so, but I did think the other day I could probably do some kind of like black stripes through here now because it's nowhere near my skin. Hmm. And who I did I see need, with a beard like that? And it looked cool. I think we need an S in there. Put a big Spartan S. <laughs> That'd be hard. Because then I'd have to comb it the exact same. Yeah. yeah. But look at this thing. Hmm. Okay. You could, pretty soon you'll be able to donate it to love. Oh, love. and may I say, whoever it was who put on my Facebook page, the picture of my beard, they put, yuck. <laughs> like, holy crap, I have feelings. Right. What the hey is that? That is obnoxious. Can you imagine some woman puts up a picture with her hairstyle, new hair, and I'm like, yuck. If I can't say it about your head hair, you can't say it about my face hair. That actually hurt my feelings. I was shocked. I'm like, I know I'm not attractive, but dear Lord, yuck. All right. You're all on, on notice. That you're all on notice. All right. Um, somebody wrote about Luke or something. Uh, what or no. did I do with it? Okay. Your, oh wait, I see one. Your November Faith Magazine article was outstanding. Oh my gosh. Do you remember which one it was? Because I don't know which one you read, right? I go to a, a bunch of magazines. Well, anyway, uh, I am sure many were helped by their article. You are so good with your homilies and articles you write. Take care of yourself. We all need you. You are so kind. Thank you. I mean it. Gosh. Thank you. I appreciate the encouragement. That's very sweet. Did yeah. some, someone really wrote that? Yeah. Oh. Thank you. 
Okay, uh, Father Joe, I just read your message in today's bulletin regarding mass intentions and having too many intentions versus the number of masses available. Why couldn't we include multiple intentions for mass? Other churches I'm aware of offer this approach. If we currently offer to Jesus the name of one person, I'm sure he would gladly accept and bless multiple intentions. Yeah, I, uh, I would assume that's not a Catholic church because that's, I don't mean to be crude, that's illegal. Um, uh, to offer more than one intentions for Mass. Why? Uh, I would, I'm not sure, to be honest, why the church says we can only have one intention for Mass, but I know the practical reason we can't is because usually people will pay like 10 bucks for a Mass intention. So are you collecting, you know what I mean? I, I, I just know this is how it's evolved, the idea that we're focusing the grace of that Mass on one person and either their soul or their current living situation, whatever it might be. So, like, today's Mass was from my Uncle Ray. Did I say that? Yeah, he's a good dude. And he gave me four beautiful cousins, right? David, Becky, Sandy, Ron. And I'm so grateful. And his wife, Aunt Gloria, was awesome. Yeah, that chick was unbelievable. Scary smart. It's so funny. My dad and his brother married very similar women in the sense of razor sharp women. And you look at my dad's mom and you go, ah. You know what I mean? Isn't that cool? Because she was sharp. Never finished. What did she left school in fourth grade? They made her leave school in fourth grade to raise all the family. And she did it. School's overrated. What? <laughs> so is that it? Are we done? Well, or should I uh, do another one? No, it's not that. It's just that do you want to talk about where our mass intentions are going? Huh? I mean, pardon? Talk about where... Our mass intentions are going. Oh, you mean Fiji? Uh-huh. We're exporting. Yes. <laughs> yeah, see, in Fiji, they could use mass intentions, right? You shouldn't pray mass without an intention, right? Uh, and so they've offered, we'll cover some of these for you, which I think is so wonderful. Yeah. Um, so I do love it. What did I call it? Do you remember? Offshoring. We're offshoring our mass intentions. <laughs> <laughs> It's part of a NAFTA deal. (laughs) Remember Ross Pro, that giant sucking sound, the job's going down in Mexico? I voted for Ross Pro. So I'm not making fun of him. Uh, Okay, every time, do I have time for this one? I think this is important. Okay, quote, every time the gospel, well, they're all important, forgive me. I just, I don't want this person to not be at peace if I can help it. Every time the gospel of Luke 18, one through eight comes up, all I hear is my son's death happened because I didn't pray right or enough. Luke 18 is the passage where Jesus talks about if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. Um, or is it the ask and you shall receive? I, either way, um, this is a true story. 1996, seven, excuse me, I was a deacon. And I was talking to a youth minister and my grandma had died and I was sad. I mean, we were happy for her, sad for us. And she flat out told me, had you had enough faith, she wouldn't have died. And I immediately felt the horror of that. And it took me a long time to work it out. And by the way, I'm sure she met her best, right? We all say dumb things Um, because it's such a simple answer. But what it neglects is that I'm not in charge. 
you're not in charge. And I, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm so sorry you lost your son. I begged God to save my mom. She died way too young. Right? I don't pray. I pray to change circumstances, but I know the better thing is for God to change me. Um, and if it was a matter of if I pray right or I have the right amount of faith, I get whatever I want, well, then you're God. Um, it is a painful and beautiful mystery that we often have to remind ourselves, I'm not in charge of this relationship. I am a recipient of this relationship. And eight out of 10 times, that feels great. The two other times, it's remarkably painful. Lord, I wish you would have saved my son. And I'm going to be mad at you for a while because you didn't. But the fact that your son died does not mean you prayed wrong or lacked faith. I don't know what it means, but I know, and excuse my candor, you're not in charge. So when we pray, we do hope God will do what we want. Uh, and if not, you're praying wrong. But we also understand there's an element of submission to our prayer. Lord, you know what I want. And I'm going to keep telling you, not because you'll forget, but because I want to do what the widow did. And I want to storm heaven. And I want to bang on your door until I drive you nuts. Prayer is never wasted. No matter how short, no matter how silly, no matter how long and poetic, whatever prayer we offer is a treasure to our Lord and it changes the universe in some way that we won't be aware of until heaven. So I promise you, your son did not die because you lacked faith or prayed wrong. He died, and I'm so sorry, but don't let anyone approach this issue with you as if somehow it's on you. It's on God. And if you pastor him enough, you might get an answer that helps. I don't know. I know you will in heaven. But until then, the question I kept asking myself when this happened with mom, and again, I, I remember hearing when I was a kid, a 76-year-old died and a 75-year-old and thinking, wow, they're old. And then that's not old at all. I don't know why, but I do know I got to a point by grace and I think by pestering the snot out of God where I went, okay, Lord, I trust you. I don't like this, but I trust you. So um, please know you have all my love and I'm so sorry. I am. Um, but don't put that on you. Put it on God. Ask him for an answer. That's it. That's what I got. Yeah? So, uh, again, this is Thursday, but it's really Friday for you because I have the ability to transcend time. Um, please don't tell others. They'll start asking for things. Um, but I will see you this weekend for my homily unless I'm hit by a cement truck and die. The cement truck again. Hmm? The cement truck again. Yeah. I saw, I probably shouldn't say this, I saw a YouTube video where a guy, and everybody was fine, like the thing said, nobody was injured. 
this car was trying to pass and basically it bounced between two cement trucks and ended up flipping around and then coming to a complete halt. Sides all banged up. It was like planes, trains, and automobiles. And I thought, I wouldn't mind. Except for the living part. I mean, if that's going to happen, okay. Trivia night. Oh, when is it? Next Friday. Next Friday. You need to come to Holy Family and Grand Blank for trivia night. I'm hosting it. And a bunch of us put some questions together that will fundamentally alter the nature of the universe. So you might want to be there for it. Uh, you can register on our parish website, or you can call the office. Hi! And register. Did the dog just bark? Yes. He's been a barky dog. Yesterday, he kept running to the door and barking, and no one was there. I think he sees a ghost. He learned that from Charlie. And He's in league with Lucifer, I'll warrant. The yeah. article in November was about the mom that felt like she was constantly failing. Mm. I remember that. Mm-hmm. You guys are so much on you. The Lord sees you, okay? Moms, the Lord sees you. And he loves, he, he knows our limitations better than we do, okay? There's no limit to your love, but there's often a limit to how you can show it. Be at peace. Ah, poor moms. I'm so glad I'm not a mom. Is that okay to say? Yes. Okay, so uh, I'll see you beautiful people next week. Uh, we'll, we'll probably continue Moses. I don't know if I'll finish him on our show. And then we have an amazing guest next Thursday. I'm geeked out for her to come. Peace is flowing like a rain. Did I ever tell you about the Elvis guy at seminary? No. We had a guy at seminary who was an Elvis impersonator, and I'm dead serious. And he cantered mass one time, and it was, And this is how he chanted the alleluia before the gospel. No, he left and got, he got married. He left and went to Vegas? Yeah. Yeah. He had the big, what do you call it, where their hair is poofy and, and poofy? Mm-hmm. He had a lot of, I had a ton of hair back then. He had more. Okay, salad pray. Yes. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, next week, when the state of Michigan, we decide whether our constitution changes. And please protect us from this evil. Please, Lord, compel everyone. Yeah, help us. And Lord, if it doesn't pass, please protect our churches from the violence that's sure to come. Lord, you heard the questions today, and particularly that beautiful mom grieving the loss of her son. Will you go to her today? Will you wrap your beautiful, scarred hands around her heart? Will you show her your heart? Oh, Father, we've made such a mess of things. Please help us to choose virtue, even when it's hard. And be your light in the world. Help us to be patient to be merciful, to be kind and prayerful. 
And Father, you know all the things that we fret about, and you know all those people we carry around in our heart, and we love them so much. Please, Lord, we give them all to you because we love you so much and we trust you. And may the blessings of Almighty God be with you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. My Kung Fu is strong. I'll see you beautiful people later. Peace. Is it over? No, it's never.